0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: It's the Anfield Wrap. Neil Atkinson, Rob Cutman, Dan Austin and Glenn Price, who appears to have just started filming me uh, at the start of that, or somebody. Who are you filming, Glenn? I was just
2: taking a photo.
1: Were you taking a photo of Cutman? No, just of the room. Of the room? Yeah. Uh, you chronicling your summer. Glenn Price's top summer. No, just... just fantastic I'm going to put it on Twitter now OK you, do, you put it on Twitter right now Bit of promo uh, Excellent yeah. no, it's into it. I'm into it a bit of social uh, I love a bit of social uh, It is the Anfield wrap looking ahead to the summer and working through exactly what it is that's happening all things to do with Liverpool at the moment we're going to talk to you about the transfers on this show we're also going to have a chat about Jordan Henderson and Emre Can as they've got a, a few interesting little factors coming backwards and forwards at the moment and it's five years since Liverpool five whole years since Liverpool bought Jordan Henderson we were all different men then uh, and we'll all move on from there uh, also we're going to be talking as i said about transfers but i want to start with peter moore's comments uh last week glenn and <laughs> the comments with, were received by a lot of liverpool supporters as the idea that it was a, a retreat of sorts um and i couldn't quite work out whether or not it was that treat or just a man making a couple of semi-sensible noises what did you think
2: yeah i, d- I didn't think it was worthy of the fume that was you know seen um to be, to be honest, the way I saw it was he was just staying on message with exactly what Klopp said. Klopp said that you know we do have money to spend, but they've all, always chosen to spend you know spend it wisely, as Peter Moore put it. I didn't see that much of a problem with that comment. more, so, uh, more said specifically the, there were a few things. That, I mean, we we spoke to him on Anfield, at Anfield the day before um, the day before he, he officially started. Did you like him? He's an, he's an, uh, he's thoroughly thoroughly nice gentleman. Um, you can tell he's been successful in whatever he does. He's got a mad accent, but I guess that's what happens when you live in America for yeah. the majority of your life. Um, yeah, just just a nice guy, and y- y- you can tell why the owners have brought him because he's just had past success wherever he's gone. Uh, yeah, from from meeting him, he seems like a nice lad. Uh.
1: It's strange to me, but that, that that he's made those sorts of noises and sort of well, a few days on, Rob, we do appear to be going toe to toe with Manchester City for Virgil van Dijk. So it's it's whether or not he's yeah. he's making those noises from a diplomatic point of view, or whether or not there's something else.
0: Well, okay, let's just go back to the beginning because I mean the van Dijk thing, the truth of that is yet I think fully be revealed. So we'd be being. I know there's there's noises that we've matched a city bid. Maybe we'll go on to discuss it in detail. I, I think it's more the the, the tone of uh, of what Peter Moore said, why it, why it, it resonated uh, negatively. For, I think for a lot of our fan base, and I, th- I think it, it jarred with me straight away as well. And I, I've written um, an impetuous, scarce, sparsely researched, and ill thought out piece on the subject mm-hmm. today, but quite a lot of words. But you can all enjoy that later, but. Um, <laughs> what what got to me was look we've lived in a we've lived in a universe for as long as we we can all remember but certainly during FSG's reign where where the, where the despite this sort of constant talk of uh, under promising over delivering we haven't really seen much in the way of over delivery in terms of the, of transfer budgets and be, and marquee type names come our way um, and we've every summer we've heard Liverpool managers from Brendan uh, Kenny. Jürgen going, look, it's not about what we spend. We can't spend what the big guys spend. It would be silly to try and do that. We can be smarter. We're the guys who can win the unfair game. Um, watch us do this. That's been the mantra. Um, there was a slight sea change, I think, in, in the briefings that were, were coming out from the, from the, the local-based media a couple of months ago with people saying Liverpool have a significant transfer war chest this summer, over 200 million possibly. Liverpool are going to go toe-to-toe. Liverpool are going to be there for all the big transfer conversations. Um, it, it jarred because, although he may, he may actually have said it in just total, rational, reasonable innocence... It did possibly suggest something of a pulling back from that position, back to the old position. Not that we don't think Liverpool won't spend a few quid, but they will accept their place in the transfer universe as second-class citizens.
2: I didn't judge it specifically from that comment, but what did have alarm bells going um, with what he said was, I'll, I'll read it out now, he goes this was somewhere in that piece. It was, I trust Michael being Michael Edwards sporting director implicitly to do a value proposition of particular mm. players based on data analytics we have on them.
0: Now My head fell on the table when I read yeah, that. Yeah. That,
2: that's mm. the thing that got me a bit worried, to be honest. Um, just because I think we've seen that, that process bullshit. have flaw, flaws in the end. Um, and there's certain things that data analytics can't,
3: you know, gather on a player and especially what Liverpool need. Yeah, the numbers thing is probably the most worrying aspect of that. Um, just because, again, it sounds like possibly a man that doesn't necessarily know an awful lot about football will be making some football-related decisions, which has been a major criticism of the ownership since well, he came in. Well, he's not involved in the transfer part of that. But that was the whole thing of his appointment. He,
2: the, the way it was explained to us that it, it the transfer like whole process lies with Michael Edwards, Michael is Edwards one the, and Klopp yeah. um, and it's Peter Moore's jobs to ensure the checks don't bounce okay so I mean that, but will be sort of taking this
1: data in It'll as be, part of that process yeah he's
2: being kept abreast of the well, transfer is, situation I,
1: I, I'll go back to I'll go, in fact, I'll go to you, Rob, on this. That stri- strikes me as that, that can sort of concern you. And yet, all the noises on Virgil van Dijk are that Liverpool, at least so far, are prepared to match anything that Manchester City are doing. Like, to the point that people are going, I can't. You know, I've seen some people whose, whose opinions I like sort of going, I can't believe we're prepared to spend this much money on Virgil van Dijk. Um, and Liverpool do appear to be very committed to the idea that van Dijk may well end up being. At least starting this summer as Liverpool's highest wage earner, and he may well end up uh, being Liverpool's well, he will end up being Liverpool's record signing by some distance. Well, let's park, if it happens. Well,
0: let's park the, the fact that he's called Virgil Van Dijk because that immediately sort of sort of tempts a conversation about how good he is. And let's just imagine he's Alexis Sanchez and it's 2014 again because this feels like a bit of a rerun of that. In, in, in a certain sense not that he's a well not as much as he's a like for like replacement for Suarez but he's a very important the club clearly see him as a very very important player to them so they wouldn't even be considering these kind of wage levels and this kind of transfer fee so they want him he's a priority we are not seeing second choice options who come close to him well we're, not,
1: seeing, we're not necessarily it doesn't sound like we're seeing a data analysis of, of this player wherein it, it turns into well there's a certain point in this inside the field of this graph where we can draw a square and suddenly things are going outside the field of this graph because if we're all honest about it I like I think Van Dyke looks great but there are other centre-backs in the world Uh, and Liverpool could be you know could be be looking for one of them and yet this does look like an old style even if we don't win this we are duking it out for Virgil van Dyke's signature
0: I hope so. I hope that I hope we're I hope we're doing this, um, and I hope I'm mature enough to take defeat if it's if they've really had a proper go. Well, over the rest of us are, but I'd like to know. Okay, here's what I'd like to know. Look, the, the computer. I, I agree. With the, if, if they put, run this one through Michael Edwards' computer, it probably stopped at £30 million and 120 grand a week. So we're into the we're into the. This is a unique opportunity syndrome, and this is what the market is saying. And do we want to be a, a competitor in the market? So maybe maybe this is an example of Liverpool for the first time in many years bucking that trend, which I. I was talking about earlier and if it if it happens good I do think if you seriously want to do it you've got to either be Blow, looking to blow your opposition out the water, or at least force them to pay. Set why not set the pace in it? Well, let's put it this way: What's the point in offering two hundred grand and one p for Virgil Van Dyke if if City and, and Chelsea have, have done that too? Because their wider proposition remains stronger than ours. Apart from the unless he's got this love of Merseyside, this this childhood dream to play for Liverpool, which I doubt these, those things are things. And I've heard movies oh Klopp. He's a he's a Klopp guy." He very quickly could be an Antonio Conte guy because he's one hell of a manager. He could very quickly be a Pep Guardiola guy. So I'm not really buying that we've got any kind of USB here apart from the fact, over those two clubs, apart from the fact that we are, we can at least match if not importantly improve on their on their offer.
1: Importantly improve. How do you improve on an offer beyond Manchester City and Chelsea?
0: Well, you kind of go... If if I'm prepared to pay him 200 grand a week, why am I not prepared to pay him 220 grand?
1: If I'm prepared to pay him 150 grand a week, why am I not prepared to pay him 200 grand a week? Like what if they were prepared to pay him 150 grand a week and someone's just said what you said and gone, but well, we're prepared to. All right, well, maybe this has happened. You mean? Yeah, maybe we've, we've had that bit. So and, and, maybe it has. And so you and you end up, you know, my thing on this is that you can end up sort of going and then you can say, well, 220 grand a week, and then Manchester City could say, yeah, we're prepared to pay 220 grand a week, and now you're sitting <laughs> around, blinks, and, yeah. and now you're sitting around and you're saying to me, well, Neil, well, we they, we've got to blow them out the water, let's try and blow them out the water again. Okay, it's 240 grand. Know. a week. I don't know. But my point is, what I'm trying to say to you, Rob, is how do you blow Chelsea and City out the water?
0: Uh, you, you can't blow them out of the water. But you can make them. Th- you, you can make them think they've got a range of other interests. I mean, the, I've noticed just just sort of surveying the European transfer scene. Mbappe could have an interesting effect on people's budgets. If, if he's if he's going to move this summer, it looks like it could be 110, even 120 million at least euros kind of fee. That starts, and United, we're talking about Griezmann at a not dissimilar level for that out af- of bed. That starts to become 50, 40, 50% of even the mega the me- megalith team's budgets. So you can get to a point where they go, Chelsea go, we have got the best defence in the league and three centre halves, and do we really need to blow uh, this this on, this, on the centre half? You know, there's Koulibaly for th- the 35 million and 180 million. 50. Okay. Webs but then it leaves us with some money to go after Mendy at left back or so you you so you can't stop him if he's their number uno priority but it's, it's just what so he's can work, I ask, so we're can just I ask speculating.
1: We ask, of course, Rob we're very much just speculating. Yeah. I'm gonna let other people speak in a minute. Do you think that he may actually be their numero uno I think? I'm of the view he is Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City's number one target for centre back, rightly or wrongly. Oh, centre back, yeah. I think he is there. Those three clubs as number one target for centre back. So we're in a it's, it's a
0: priority question as well.
1: Become almost a yeah, but it, it, you can say the same thing about us. You can say that we clearly need to buy two forwards. We clearly are looking to spend a lot of money on a central midfielder. We clearly need to go and buy a left back. We're in exactly the same boats that you're yep. describing those clubs as being. So.
0: Yeah. it depends where their truth lies and where our truth lies well, well it's, how it you think wait- like
1: everyone's number 1 prospect for, number 1 target for center back
0: yes but do, do Chelsea say we will spend the most of our money if you're going to, you know, just let's just pick some figures out there. The most of our transfer budget we spend, our number one priority is a centre, is a forward or a centre, a centre mid or the possibility that Costa falls off a cliff or something like that. So we see, you know, we've got Mbappe, Mb- City, for, let's take City, City Mbappe is very much on the radar, right, from what we've heard. Whether he still is, I don't know. And they go, you know what, if we go too far. Mbappe starts to become Mbappe and Van Dyke. Oh, and by the way, we do need a, le- a left-back as well, and Mendy's being talked about at £45 million. So we have to think carefully. We de- he's definitely our best centre-back option, Van Dyke. but he's our best centre-back option at, at this opportunity cost. That's my, my point. And again, we're, we're being theoretical, so it's hard to know where the truth lies.
1: Where the truth does lie, Dan, is that too... Of um, um, possibly three, but I'd be stunned. But two of Manchester City, Liverpool are going to be disappointed and are going to feel as though they've lost out on the player that's that's the reality of this situation of what's happening with Van Dyke.
3: yeah and then might also end up scrapping around for whoever the second choice is on all these lists and so it could be the same second if it, choice if, it, if
1: it's Kula Bali like Rob's just said then
3: it, and say City get Van Dyke, then Liverpool and Chelsea are left maybe going after the same player then and then it's then it's a case of who finishes third out of these, this race for all the best centre-backs in, on the continent it's good we've agreed um, the order <laughs> <laughs> I'm or just, sat down was, a just taking it as an example there's loads of different things as well that, that, that Liverpool are in competition with teams with and it's not necessarily just English teams but this one feels really important because it's sort of a seminal moment in in sort of the hierarchy of the division going forward. The, the, everyone's got settled managers now at the top of the division mm. including Arsenal now that Fenger signed a new contract everyone can pay the money now because of obviously to different degrees we, we won't pay probably the same as, as Man City, we, we won't be like buying a player for a world record fee or something like that but because of the money coming into the division everyone can pay massive money Um, everyone can attract players from the sort of third rung of European sides like Napoli or like Southampton or or like those teams that aren't necessarily going to win a league title or win a European trophy so in terms of who wins it I think it's a big sort of psychological and attitude thing as well as just getting the footballer.
0: Because who wants it the most, I feel? Yeah, it seems seems to me me like like it it could
3: very well be. They're all going to sit down with him at some point or they're all going to sit down with his, his family or his agent and talk to him. And it could very well just be who sweet talks him the most who makes him feel wanted the most mm. who, who, who does he think comes across the best because if you're in his position there you're in a big position of power where you you're in absolutely no rush to make a decision you've got three options any of which are going to take you on to a higher level in your career any of which are going to end up with you receiving a loads and loads of money in your bank account every single month so he can take his time over it and he can sit there play them off each other not necessarily for monetary gain or stuff like that but to find out 100% absolutely which is the best for him, um, and I, I think another interesting facet of this as well is the injury thing. It's 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 a little bit mad the mm. amount of the amount of money that's going around for him just sort of taken for granted. That, that He's just going to come back. The same he's he's going to come back the same player, and we'll be able to step up to the new level. I'm not saying that I don't think he's good. I think he's great. Um, but usually there's an element of risk, or or there's people. You're t- talking about, well, well, we do want to pay the money for them, but we're maybe going to pay a little bit less because we're not too sure how we'll recover and stuff like that, whereas everyone just seems absolutely certain that he will be fine and still want them. So I think that's a little bit strange and would definitely be a, a slight worry if Liverpool end up going and paying like 60 or £65 million for them. Obviously, everyone would be happy. We'd all think, oh, well, we've got this new defender and, and we've beaten these teams to them. Um, but then you would secretly be waiting for that first game in August, thinking... Let's just, see it. Let's just see his first sprint. Let's just yes. see how he goes.
0: Yeah, it was an ankle injury, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: Just to go, go, go over to you, Glenn, on this, the, the, the idea of, when I say he's the first choice target for Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool, that's widely accepted, I think, amongst everyone who's covering each of those clubs. And then it becomes a conversation... To a certain extent, about the project, and I want to come on to talk more about the project in a minute, but it does turn into sort of when, when, when. For instance, they're talking about the impact of, of of securing the signing. You feel as though there's there's a conversation there, as Dan's saying, as to this becomes sort of who, because the amounts of money are likely to end up being very, very similar. It doesn't look as though it's to blow anyone out the water situation. It's almost going to come down to who's selling the project best. Yeah, and we're seeing this more
2: and more with um, footballs and, and transfers, especially with young players. Young players are. We're almost taking their time and being picky and in, in choosing where they move because of the situation that, that that's on offer. We can think of Julian Brandt as is a good example of that. Um, you know Liverpool are interested in Bayern Munich. Are interested in? He's actually turned Bayern Munich down in the past before because he, he felt he'd be better at uh, by Leverkusen still. So it is about what you know. Sweet, like it managers we got we're gonna come on to this later, but managers are a bit off salesmen and, and this is another prime example. You've got to convince a player who's maybe off be up being offered more money or or whatever, or the London life. Um and you've got to convince him why to come to Liverpool. And I think it was I think it was at the end of the season Klopp was saying how his job was now, you know, to speak talking to people on the phone and talking about Liverpool and other things and that's what he's got to do he's got to talk about what he's got planned for Liverpool in the future and the project thing is is an idea because you know when Klopp was first appointed no one could be bothered with with the idea of a project we, we would add Brendan Rodgers and you know that was seen as a three-year project and everyone was just tired and we wanted someone proven but I think even Klopp you know Especially with the owners, the owners didn't think they had a project with, with Klopp because he said, according to the reports, he was impressed with the squad he had. But the reality was that it did need work and an investment, and it was going to take time to, you know, for him to make his mark on the team. And yeah, the, the Liverpool definitely is a project, um, but it's just the way Klopp's gone about it, which has been quite interesting.
0: This is this is sort of back to my point about Peter Moore is. It's a sales job, this. We, we need to create some kind of buzz around what we're, what we're doing. Okay, we've got Klopp. We're back in the Champions League. We, 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 we showed some moments last year as a team that excited people, scored some goals. But at some point, we need, to, we need to go with the next big thing. We are the next big thing. We're, we're the team that is going places, and not just because we're just being a bit brash about it. There's some tangible, there's almost bullshit that there's a bit more money than there is. I'm, I'm more than happy to see us do that.
3: If he if he does that though, if he's come out and said, "Oh yeah, we we can compete with all these teams, and we have got loads of money to spend," don't doesn't every club you go to then just throw ten million on top of whoever it is that you're going to buy? Is, isn't him? No, isn't, I've got, isn't, that's isn't, an isn't, old isn't
0: one. Him, I, I addressed this in my <laughs> in my superb article.
3: I I sort of think him saying, "Oh well, we can't necessarily compete with City," isn't necessarily to do with Van Dijk thing. It might just be him sort of warning other football clubs don't take the piss. When they turn up. Because because English teams do have the piss taken out of them now. You see West Ham going and paying and silly money for people. Or Yannick Balassi went to Everton for $28 million. So, So there is a stupid level of money now. So maybe it's just him being a bit like, yeah, we've got money, but we're not going to be stupid with it.
0: I've had this debate on internet forums for decades now, it feels like, you must have been there at one or two of these debates, where it's basically, if you, t- if you let let on, you've got a few quid, you get stitched up, and you think about it logically for a minute, rich people don't get rich if that's the case, they don't even get to buy cars at normal prices, you know, people go, oh, I've seen him walking in with his gold coat and the fur, fur coat <laughs> and his big gold chain, we'll have him off the, the, the thing that wealth gives the clubs, businesses, organisations, individual is options, options to go you were taking the piss out of me on that price, now I can go to your neighbour, and he can have my rich you know that's what they can do it can cut cut either way i don't think S- city have been taken for a ride i think city have overpaid but it's when they've m- decided they want to move a transfer that can't be moved okay. you know uh, you may be right there is that that's i think happen. it can work both ways I yeah think I, think, right I think i think in general the there
1: is there is a, i think in general there is a thing from clubs on the continent that if an english club comes knocking whack some more money on because they've got it and i think that that's i, th- I think that that is a thing that might well be happening uh, but but on the other hand, I don't think it necessarily happens club by club, I could be wrong. But on the project thing, when you say, Rob, about you know there's a bit of bullshit going on and all of this, but isn't that also external as well as internal? So the manager also has to... Now, a football manager, more accurately, not just our manager, but a football manager has to bullshit the supporters a little bit. And almost, yeah. you know, I think that this is quite... And also, is almost certainly doing the same thing to his players, that there is, you know, management manager as salesman is absolutely fine. We can be mature enough now to deal with it. But that means also simultaneously engaging with the fact that it's a project, which we didn't want. We wanted to win things. Win things now. Can we just sort this out? Can we just get moving? And yet now we're in sort of year three, moving into year three of this project. I just think it's a really interesting sort of philosophical point, really, which is that, you know, there's, there's you've got to keep there for... To carry everyone along, you've got to keep hitting your self-imposed milestones of and now we've done this and now we've done this. So yeah. This year it was let's come top four. We came top four, Klopp comes out in front of a microphone, is exceptionally bullish, exceptionally bullish about Liverpool back amongst the European greats where they need to be. But what this needs now is that can't be that's just the milestone for next year. That has to be another milestone pulled on because this project, you've got to see it move forward.
0: Yeah, the reason projects become projects is because is because reality becomes obvious to all concerned so you can you can say at the beginning of the season we're not about project we're here we're going to win the league this year we're going to win the champions league this year and by october you're in you're in third place and 10 points adrift and and you're struggling in the champions league group phase so, so you say that again you sound like an idiot so then you have to say we're we're on a journey we're on a journey and you have to mean that you have to go okay this is where we're going we you have to it's just about adjustment of expectation the only teams that can't that don't need to worry about the project stuff and even i even started hearing noises from them last year was was the likes of city and go we are literally going to spend more than anyone else so it's not a project We're, we're paying to win everything this year that's the fucking project year one we do it Although, with Guardiola's very, very, very mediocre first season, we've already heard noises from them about, well, Guardiola's got to get the Guardiola-type player in, and so it's something of a project. Conte's, Conte at Chelsea, he was... Be, you know, Chelsea had had a dreadful season. It had to be transitional. That was a bloody project that suddenly turned into something that wasn't a project. Project is just, is just code for it, it can't literally happen this year, guys. Bear with us. That's all that means. Stunned silence. Yeah,
3: I think I think he is right. <laughs> um it, it it doesn't tend to come out in March, April, May. No one's talking about the project then. They do it over summer when they're trying to get people on board and then they do it sort of towards maybe January and then it goes mm. a little bit quieter again when it's just about getting results and, and then seeing where you are at the end. It's only really I'd I'd be hesitant to call it an excuse but yeah, it's, it's 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 about buying time it's about saying no, no one who is no one who's top of the league or no one who's favorite to win a trophy talks about the project it's teams as you say that are maybe third to fifth or in the hunt for a cup maybe in a quarter final of a league cup or something they say oh well this could be important for the young players and stuff like that i think that the the very upper echelons don't do the project talk but at the minute we aren't the upper echelon so we have to do the project talk so it's fine um it's just that as glenn said before about rogers when it becomes a bit sort of flowery the talk around it when Mm. it's all about philosophies and and oh well we need to we need to get the right sort of way of playing and it takes years and, and we've all got to believe in it and when it becomes a bit sort of hippieish at times I think that's when people get a bit pissed off with it and think I just want points There's, I just uh, want some points and a big silver thing at the end
1: uh, excellent Rory Smith piece on uh, Real Madrid uh, he's written for the New York Times Glenn that Real Madrid's not a project they haven't got a philosophy they just win the European Cup
2: yes they do um, <clears throat> and with uh, like I don't know whether I'm just naive on European football but until a few like until like a season ago, I'd I never even like heard of Casemiro and 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 that and Danny Carverhouse, You know, sort of an under under the radar player. Um, yes, they do have these players, but they also have the best players in the world yeah. as well. Um, in in Bale and Ronaldo and all that, so that always helps. And 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 I think that's what you know, sort of. Klopp was was saying to like in his press conferences towards the end of the season it was sort of like a sales pitch in that players are interested in the project at Liverpool he actually used the word project and I thought that was sort of like a sales pitch not just to convince the players to come to Liverpool who who had offers on the other table but to maybe turn turn the noses of other players
1: as well to you know you know switch their attentions um On all of that, uh, we've mentioned Van Dijk, the other transfer that appears to be gaining a pace. We'll come on to talk about Naby Keita in a minute when we talk about the midfield. But Glenn, it's Mohamed Salah. Um, It looks... A few people may have taken a flyer, possibly, that that it's pretty close, but it does look as though it's likely... It's now probably more likely than unlikely, and feel free to disagree with me that Liverpool are going to break their transfer record, and Mohamed Salah is going to be a Liverpool player at some point in the next two weeks. Yep,
2: it's it. it just seems a bit. It, it it's only June, and there's not that far between the two clubs' value. Like, you know, stance in negotiations at the moment. So. It does just seem a case of Brinksmanship at this moment and and, and it will you know. Will you take thirty four million? <laughs> yeah. Three hundred and twenty four Yeah. and um, that was partridge. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> so yeah, that it just does seem like it will get done eventually. Um you, you wonder where how far a list he, he is down, um, because you look at Liverpool went after Pulsich, they're a liked brand. Um I'm trying to think of anyone else's is but and then they've just and Salah's now on the radar. There's probably other players further down the list. Was Douglas Costa on the on the list? Do you
0: think at any stage? I,
2: not that I'm aware of, but may, maybe he was. Um, you know, football
1: clubs. He doesn't are, kick it in the goal. No, don't doesn't make doesn't me go through either. this with you again. <laughs> he doesn't sorry, kick it in the Neil, goal.
0: I forgot. I'm sorry. He and, doesn't. He's, no, I mean
1: he's a four goal a season man. So if you're buying someone to play in the front three, yeah. and you're buying a lad who's, who's genuinely looking at his numbers, and he just scores four goals a season. Mm, and that's th- true. Salah's coming
2: off the best season of his career, and. I think 19 goals in 41 appearances, that, that's quite a decent return. And it's one uh, and two in the league. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, we, we, I was having this conversation with Rob before. It's sort—it's of, like a player who's not got potential anymore. He's on the cusp of a rise. Um, there's there's less risk associated because he's 24 now. It's sort of like a similar signing to, to Mane. I'm not saying he's going to have the same impact as Mane, but he's around that age now where he's been consistently doing the business for two, three years um, and Liverpool are getting him at the time where it's value it, it, it's good value as I say um, still, is- still a little bit of a risk
0: but less of it and Am I right in saying go. he's done the business in Europe a bit, Glenn? From I've I, I, I have recollection of seeing him play against Real Madrid in the last couple of years, unless I dreamt this. And you've uh, yeah, I'm sure he's he, played
3: for Roman in the latter stages of the Champions League, I think. Yeah. And he also played for Fiorentina for the season on loan and was very good there. Yeah, no, and sure. I think he legally signed for Fiorentina and then got out of the contract somehow and went to Roman and it God was a him. big it was a big mad thing in Italy, and I think he might have got sued for it as well. He went to the court of
1: arbitration for yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It was complicated. It's uh, Rob. Firstly, it's another example of Liverpool targeting a lad who's fast. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to spend a lot of the summer talking about fast lads, uh, which is good. It's also when you mentioned in the, sort of the value point there. I'm I'm loath to to worry too much about value at times, but. He is on the cusp of something. He is the right age. I think he's the age that you should be looking at. I think for you, you can make an argument around people like Markovic that Liverpool shouldn't be looking at 19 to 22. They should be looking at 22 to 24. Mm. And Salah's a very good example of that. It's very similar profile to Mane last season, apart from playing for a bigger club right now. Um, it's, to me, it's... It's strikingly obvious, I mean and, and often you can feel as though you 're talking yourself into these, but i don 't think I am. I think if you'd have presented me with all the facts, for instance people 's goals to games ratio at top leagues, mm. and gone down the list i you know i 'd like to think that I would logically have gone what him that much why why not
0: yeah he, a, you know you don 't know what the list as glenn said you don 't know what the list was if there was somebody. Better, more dynamic, or whether there is there is still in Salas, you know, the, the second in a, in a list of three forwards they want to bring in, that he's not the the marquee one. Like we don't we don't know that, but he does seem I think it's him a no brain. We, we've we, we've certainly exhaustively scouted this guy because we nearly signed him two years ago. Um, he falls into that habit which we've seen during the the Edwards era, which is transfer targets just never go away. And I suspect we're signing Dahoud in three years' time, and you know, as, as a mature player. Uh, the 23 to 25-year-old is the sweet spot, I think, with, with talent. It, I, it's nice. You often see the pattern of them being very highly rated in 19, doing okay, plateauing, and then beginning to go again. And it looks like Salah in the last 18 months is beginning to go again. It feels like he's been to fast track, and we could just be buying him on, on, the, on the edge of something very significant. I, If I've got any reservations at all stylistically is whenever I've watched him in the past and I've re-researched on on, uh, his his best bits on the YouTube, is he looks very much a a counter-attacking gem. I wonder how he aids you when a team has sat very, very low-blocked, as they say, against you, and you're trying to break them down. What's his role then? I mean, I'm seeing he's quite poachy in the box if you look at his goal his goal roster last season quite a few on rebounds six yards a few back post headers but I do wonder what he gives you in those situations and others may know better
3: it might just be a case that he's if he's on one side if he's on the left and Marnie's on the right um, one of them drags the defence one way which then leaves space on the other side attracts people yeah Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if one of them's running towards the corner flag on one side everyone has to move over so Marley has got space on the other It's the only thing i could think of yeah, yeah. and i think it's 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 maybe to do with the fact that he, he he was bringing Moreno on for sort of 10 minutes of games towards the end of this season just i think to run hmm. just just to say run peg them back a little bit try and make a bit of space for the lads that are actually good at football in the middle um so it might it might be that i i whenever i've seen him i i just like the fact that he runs with the ball he yeah. runs with the ball forwards um,
0: which we we've carries got, the ball we, out.
3: Yeah, which we've we've got a bit of now anyway, but I'm not really used to in a Liverpool team. Um like the best Liverpool teams that I've seen, sort of Benitez teams and, and then um, like sort of like the Daglish Cup run team and and even Rodgers one to a certain extent. there wasn't very much picking the ball up and just going as quick as you can. Mm. Um, it was it, it was more to do with You're right. passing the ball. Working it around finding an opening sort of thing or just giving it to a boss lad, Torres, Suarez, whoever it was. Um, so I, th- I think it's nice to have that on it, – or it would be nice to have that on both sides or if one of them's gone, the other one's there. I think the only major worry about that is them both possibly going to the African combinations but at the same one- time and then – what you do. That's what, do you, what eight, you do that's for the year. That's them six 18 weeks. months down the line, the problem. We can't, I can't be worried <laughs> well, about 18 the, months down well, the line. Well, is the down. idea then you think that they, they get him now, they haven't got to worry about it for a year, and then. Next year they reassess and maybe go and get another one. I think they're gonna get another one anyway. Okay, you think they'll get another one now? Yeah. Another version of those two. Another
1: Broadly, really quick yeah. wide lads. Yeah. Broadly, or well, uh, if uh, they another, do that, that's another, fine another, by another, me. Another then, quick yeah. forwards. I tell you mm. what,
0: I hope they give him November, December off this like, lad, <laughs> <laughs> ready in time for the January. This definitely non-African <laughs> guy. Well, <waiting laughs> this, but
1: it's a long time away. That January, yeah. it's two Januarys' time. Uh, we can't, we can't be worrying about that now. But I think yet yeah, it's, uh, it's. I, th- it wouldn't surprise me if they're gonna buy two fast lads. Uh, to be honest with you, two, two lads who play in a front three, because I think certainly if the talk is dropping, continue you're back into midfield, then you you're you're already one light anyway, and then you're looking for another one for cover and then you're sort of scouting around the bought the Solanka boy and they go from there. Um talking about dropping people back into midfield. Glenn, the it's the anniversary uh this week of Henderson signing for Liverpool it was five years ago. It's a strange sort of situation where he's effectively exchanged one set of question marks for another. I don't think now there's much reasonable uh, discussion about whether or not he's good enough to play for a side that's going to finish top four to start every week for regularly for a side that's finishing top four. So there's much reasonable discussion as to whether or not he's a good Liverpool captain. I think he's shown this season he's done you know he's done a good job and he does a good job off the field. It may not be a, may not prove to be a great Liverpool captain, but these things are very subjective. He's certainly not bad at the thing. But in clearing those question marks up, he's now he's now left himself with a pretty significant fitness question mark.
2: Yep, uh, it's not just this season as well. The last season was was yeah. a nightmare for him as well. So, and before that, he was relatively okay with his injury. It was record. great. It was yeah. really strong, really yeah. strong. And then these last two seasons of you know, he, he called. La- he called the season with his foot, the the initial foot injury, like the worst season of his life. This must this must just be equally as frustrating because his performances at the start of the season in a new role were were brilliant. He he, he was one of Liverpool's best performers this season u- up until the mysterious foot injury and, and the kick in training um yeah uh, the, the thing with henderson he, he, when he came in it was 20 million or whatever um he was getting absolutely pelted in that first season because he was <laughs> along with him and stewart down and they were and andy carroll they were getting, kenny was getting criticized left right and center for you know just a waste of money and you, you did feel sorry for him because he was Play shifted out onto the right to you know to accommodate Charlie Adam. We'll gloss <laughs> over that cleverly, <laughs> sends a shiver down the spine. Um,
0: he had played uh, there at Sunderland. I think that's a young he ha- player curse,
3: yeah. Record. Um, he played on the left, I think, didn't he, as well, in the FA Cup semi final? he played on the left of midfield, did yeah. He? yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay Speedham was a centre mid,
0: and Rogers played him at fullback,
3: yeah. He's played li- everywhere. Um,
2: even Rogers, you look at him, he was sort of. In, I didn't realise how much he was in the box when you rewatched some of Liverpool's game under Rodgers. Um yeah, so he was involved in that he's played everywhere and I think it, it, it's quite it's quite good that he he found sort of a settled role um, which was this this number six role which you know was planned at the, at the start of pre season. Um but that but that then again that was because Liverpool didn't get Mohamed Dahud, <laughs> who, who was a defensive midfielder. Um so you know they were they were looking at trying to bring in another player for that position. I I just think it is a shame that he's got injured again. But I do think because of what he showed last season, it would be too early to you know give up on. I'd still be put it this way. I'd still have him first choice uh, starting next season if he's fit to play that number six role.
0: I think I think what will have jarred though is is what well, the the two seasons with substantive absences. Has, has to have made people sit up and take notice and you 'd be negligent not to say we need to at least cover Jordan Henderson now at least cover if not if not contingency replace and treat it as an amazing bonus if the player returns to his former fitness levels and go that 's just fantastic these first pick wow, look at our abundance of riches. But it's just, it's not it's not a million miles off the storage situation. Whereas great little cameos from storage at the end of the season. Anybody at Liverpool who's thinking he he could lead our line next season would want you know would would want dismissing because you cannot count on him. Uh, I think it's a bit if you look at from Jordan Henderson's point of view personally. It's a bit of a make-or-break season. There's no getting away from that. He needs to be substantively fit. If he isn't, what next for him? Could he see out a career at Liverpool as the new Lucas, i.e. a lad who's older than his years but still a fantastic contributor? It's interesting what you say about him in the Rodgers era where he was seen much more bo- as a box-to-box player. We often sort of used to talk about him. Could he be Lampard-esque as he got older? Would his goals increase? Uh, I think... Well, managers have seen his maturity action and pulled him further back. But I think it also possibly has been a factor of those injuries. I wonder if they've wanted him to play slightly more within himself in a certain sense, and and the number six role suits that. And so maybe he will be able to manage his body through this and become I, I don't know a, a fulcrum that that that, that doesn't uh, that doesn't need to work as hard in training perhaps as, as other players won't be. I don't know it's very interesting to say it's ridiculous to write him off but I also think you can't write him in what's noticeable
1: Rob though is there, there isn't there, it seems pretty clear what, what sort of players who, the players Liverpool are being linked with this summer mm. there's no there's no alternative for his position that's been linked
0: no Klopp's interesting when he talks about uh, defensive mids he just, he's almost like, won't acknowledge the position will he it's, and you watch which I've got a lot of time for yeah he, and i think he's sort of closer to that school that Andrew villa boas sort of popularised a little bit when he came to the premier league with was almost the carousel principle in centre mid Whereas, yeah, he
1: very much did not have Henderson as part of the carousel. No,
0: he didn't. He did, yeah. He anchored him, and I wonder if that was to do with some of Henderson's latent fitness issues that that was the case. Emery Chan, well, because he doesn't want him box to boxing, he doesn't. He wants to control that.
1: But he did, I, I would say again, he when he when Chan sat and Chan didn't. For instance, Lucas has sat. Mm. Chan sat. People have sat who but aren't he'd Henderson. Come
0: out a bit more than Henderson did. I don't know. It just seems I'm more, giving get, you all my
1: sceptical things yeah, you're, you're, it's you're, not
0: fair is, is he it Did you just seem more fluid than, than calling it a Makalely kind of role
1: uh, but I think it's more, been more fluid than that when Henderson and he's, he's very involved in the The, the team played higher I think yeah, 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 Henderson was on the pitch they, did. they felt as though what the also didn't do was do two sitting which we have done at times when for instance yeah. th- he's had two of them sitting together and you know people coming and helping out whereas it was always very much a Henderson who is the deepest and the rest of you can go because I think he trusts Henderson's pace move whether he's right or wrong to Henderson's mobility to go from left-back to right-back, left-back to right-back, where he doesn't do that with Emre Can or Lucas?
0: I think maybe the answer is, is the fact that because he doesn't really rate the defensive midfield position as a specialist position, he thinks... They can all bloody well do that. That's just doing the dishes, you know. Emery if, Chan. If, if, if Henderson's fit, he's my first choice and captain there. If he's not, Emery slots in. And if we've got both, we'll have to rest one. will, you know, Ginny Wynaldum can do a stint there. He certainly has done. It's not hard, lads. You know, and it may even be that Naby. If we sign someone like Naby Keita, although he's very box to box, got some goals. The one,
1: the one I would have been interested in was, I mean, we'll come on to Oxley Chamberlain in a second. But the idea that because Oxley Chamberlain's done a little bit of a for Arsenal, because where I where I think that it falls down, I'm going to stay with you, Rob. Where I think it. Falls falls down in Henderson's absence where I think we struggled was the speed the ball was moving out of midfield so where Mm. Henderson would do stuff quicker more in front of a player in one touch where others had used two in two touches where others had used three it, it, there, was, there, was, there was a note that, like for instance I think one of the reasons why we're all slightly lamenting the fullbacks in the second half of the season is because it's not Henderson getting the ball to them that bit sharper and sometimes you look a bit daft when you do that there's been three or four times this season Henderson just kicked it out to touch because he's just trying to sh- just shift it so fast and pass it to where people should be without maybe at times checking they're there but I do think there is a noticeable difference in terms of shifting the ball and bringing people into play faster where Henderson's on the pitch.
0: Yes, and I wonder. I wonder. Just thinking about it, possibly for the first time, if we saw a feature of the final third of the season was Ginny Wynaldum springing some of our faster forwards from deep positions. I think the first one we all sat up and taken took notice of was at. Sp- against Spurs at Anfield, for sublime ball, he certainly, does he do it a couple of times against West Ham? There's another one that es- es- escapes me. But he definitely was, and that wasn't in his game earlier in the season. So
1: I wonder, go to you on, Dan, I, I, th- I think it's interesting that we're not being linked with that. For instance, there's the links to Cater, there's the links to Oxlade-Chamberlain. They've both been relatively serious links, it looks like Cater. Mm. It looks like, as though Oxlade-Chamberlain may well end up signing himself a new deal at Arsenal. But... I wonder whether or not there is maybe the thing, the manager's thinking the same thing again, I'll fix this position within the squad, that I might, for instance, take Ginny Wijnaldum and work with him throughout the summer and turn him into not just, even though he's playing deeper than we thought last season, he might go deeper again. And I might think to myself, you know what, if I work with Ginny and work with Ginny and work with Ginny, he could end up being the footballer who sits into that space, is is as, as athletic as Henderson, who offers me this sort of cover, whereas we all think he'll still play in front of someone. Yeah,
3: um, I think it's absolutely the case that he's not going to go and sign someone either as a replacement for him as or as someone who can play when he's injured. Um, I don't think it, it would make sense to to take that sort of a hit to your budget um, and to add another lad into the squad who, as long as Henderson's fit, isn't really getting a game. And then, as you say, there are the other options there. Um, I think it would be interesting to see who he do it with from the rest of the squad because um, I think the best thing about... Wijnaldum so far for me has been that he's a centre midfielder who's got in the box, um, who's been a threat going forward, which we've missed for years and years now. Um, so I wouldn't really want him to be any deeper for any significant period of time. If Henderson was out for six weeks or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily want Wijnaldum moving back there. Um, one thing I was wondering about was, if if Henderson's not playing, the captain's off the pitch. Um, and I know we've spoken about having like various leaders in the squad before. Um, But as long as Henderson's not playing, I think that makes him even more determined to have James Milner on the pitch. Um, So so could James Milner do it? Could James Milner be sometimes a left-back, sometimes the number six, moving the ball forward a bit quicker than maybe Chan or Lucas would? Um, Especially if he gets a younger left-back in, could could Milner play left-back in the midweek game and then he moves to play the sixth role on the weekend. Would he be interested in doing that? Or is there is there just someone else that you would not think of as capable of playing that role, who you, who you just wouldn't have a, a picture of? Because last summer, if you'd have said in May, we could play James Milner the left-back, you know, I think that would work. Everyone would have thought you were taking the piss. But then he did it, and it worked. So there might be someone else think- in the in the squad who you've got absolutely no notion could play that role. It might be a centre half. It, it could be just- anyone. It, exactly. It could uh, be like it, uh, it could be, be dec- who's, who's decent with his feet and can't run anymore. It was uh,
0: Matip's position once upon a time.
3: He played defensive mid for Schalke.
0: Hmm.
1: The, uh, the, I mean, there you I, go. It could be something like that. I'm interested about this in general, Glenn. I mean, not just in terms of in terms of th- this position, but I think it's interesting in general, sort of looking at Klopp that we we presume. We presume. We presumed last season that we'd have seen last summer that we'd have seen everything the previous season and he might pick one thing and move forward and in the end it became something quite different not just in terms of a system but in terms of a number of players would ended up in quite a different place and there is every chance isn't there that you know, whilst we're talking here and it does appear that Naby Kite is Liverpool's first choice in centre midfield but it may well be that what that does is that has a knock-on effect that it, it, it sees another player shift somewhere else it sees someone else come back we've seen Coutinho last couple of games deeper he's more than happy to spend a pre-season working on something new that he's seen out of a footballer's qualities to think he can be better deployed somewhere else on the pitch.
2: I think he quite likes it. Um, I think he's spoken in the past of you know enjoying training and stuff, and seeing as see, sort of seeing the transfer market is not a, it's sort of maybe as a, a last resort. To, and that's why I think he, um, Liverpool are so interested in Van Dijk is that Lovren and Matip, especially he, he talked about Lovren's you know ability to have a, a, a bad game every now and then, and I just think. Klopp can't be dealing with that uh, anymore as a first choice anyway. So they're going all out for Van Dijk and uh, yeah, I think I think Trent Alexander Arnold's another interesting one. He's played literally everywhere for Liverpool's young side. Gruwich, Gruwich as well. He, I think Gruwich has you know played everywhere in in this midfield. whenever he, whenever he's got on and um, mm. he's had another year under his under his belt in England. Um, well, his first year. So yeah, I think. It's just mad, isn't it? Like think James Milner playing left back. We saw it last season, like the season before last um, in the League Cup final. He went to left back, didn't he? Um, and then against United in the Europa League. So he's obviously worked on that and he's planned on that, and and it's obviously worked. But I think Klopp has tried things like I remember Moreno coming on for ten minutes and playing left wing. Um, he mentioned that he'd impressed him in training and his levels were really good but we didn't see that very much did we so he's worked and worked as much as possible with it but it just doesn't work eventually and then he has to go into the transfer market and solve it i think that's that's what we see with him there's something in this
1: which makes me feel a little sort of semi nostalgic rob we we we've lost football because of its seven substitutions because of squad rotation because of being able to have be well stocked with 22 Certain level of Ooh. professionals because midfield itself's broken into you know into two rows when when you and I were younger men uh, it was very much one or at least it was written down and conceived yeah. of as one. Uh, you can you can maybe have a separate conversation on that. But we sort of lost the notion of the utility footballer a little bit, and it does strike me as quite interesting that we may well be seeing throughout this summer in terms of both in the transfer market and also with the players he's already got that like Jurgen Klopp. I don't think. I don't think he has lost that. I think he he, he wants, you, you mentioned before, the idea of a carousel in midfield, but I just sort of think he, he thinks his footballers, on the whole, should be pretty multifunctional. They should be able to do more than one thing certain players should be able to anyway.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you saw you saw it really with the settling upon the front three early last season, which we were talking about before the show, the Firmino, Coutinho um, and and Lalana and Mane, uh set up there, that at the end of the day he wants good footballers on the pitch who can do all the things all the running all the pressing all the shooting everything and i, I and i think you're seeing that with the midfield w- Wijnaldum, he's a player we all sat debating what is he he, you know, he sat he sat deep for the dutch he's been a, he's been a guy arriving late in the box he's been a wide man everything i think that, yeah it's you know where it goes, all this hark's back to it's dutch total football this is this is and i think he's a He's a student of those days, isn't he?
1: Just to stay on that, I think one of the things I think you've also seen is, for instance, a lot of the season we were saying it's difficult for for Chan to play the deepest on his own. And Mm. a solution to that for a period of time and for those horrible away games and so on was Lucas. That Lucas will come and he'll sit broadly next to Chan, maybe Chan a little bit ahead of him, but then you would see, for instance, if he starts to play some long ball football, the pair of them would go deep and Mm. so on and so forth. What struck me is, what you can actually look back on, is solution for those last two games was we need to be able to to shift the ball faster from deep and mm-hmm. the solution became well my solution therefore using the, the footballs i've got and the tactical acuity that i've got is emre chances it's deepest but coutinho taking the ball off him yeah at times and i do one you know almost and this is why i do think that coming back to henderson haven't been here for five years you know i do think he's still at times a little bit underrated because i think he almost he starts off trying to solve his henderson problem with Chan and Lucas and he ends up solving his Henderson problem sort of with Chan and Coutinho in that it becomes right... this lad's going to do all the, the creation of the tempo, the shifting it along, and continue to put two fantastic performances in, in the last two games of the season. Mm. Not just the goal return, but every stat He was stunning going past people, winning the ball, intercepting it, harrying people. The number of times he just got on the ball, how accurate he was with his passing, all over the pitch, all of that. Mm. He put some fantastic performances in. But I do think that that's, that's him going right. How do I solve that I haven't got somebody else to do that here? i love this fella and this fella. And I think, again, we might see more of that sort of thing as well.
0: You mean you, you mean he put he used two two to solve to, to replace one? Yeah,
1: uh, but uh, but that, that's fine. That's what I'm trying to say is well, that I,
0: that's. I that's... think I don't know. I'm, I I think we can overstate how offensively creative Henderson was. I think there were times. Yes, there was some very quick first time. Swift thinking, uh, some of those stunned side foot passes from Henderson. I'm thinking about Leicester was the, was the archetype of it. Where I think Crystal it was, Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put put of course where he puts people away through well, the, f- the the incredible the, speed of thought. That's fall. what that's what I mean. Like
1: for instance, the storage goal at West Ham. we've basically got two midfielders who play that pass. Mm. and one's Jordan Henderson and the other one's Coutinho and Coutinho's more likely to do it more often because he's, he's, that's the player he is but it's almost as though he's thought well I'm picking this lad this is what we'll do this is how this will work and this is, this is and how I mean, solve this
0: Yeah because Chan's not likely to ping it from that position right uh, having said that I did notice the default The uh, interesting thing when you know, being watching Wijnaldum closely very much in his early days for Liverpool I noticed how often he was collecting the ball literally five, ten yards from Henderson that they seemed to be shuffling rather than looking for the quick penalty they were sh- quickly shuffling it from Henderson to Wijnaldum to Mane moving up the pitch as a unit that way which was quite exciting to watch I felt in a different sort of way whereas I think maybe as teams have become set against Liverpool to get tempo going they've looked to to get the ping off quickly hence those Wijnaldum passes that dissect quickly the Coutinho passes that style we're talking about.
1: The other thing that strikes me with the, the 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 lack of midfield links, Dan, is there's still there's one midfield link going out, and and this week it was it was Chan to Juventus, which is this this feeling that Chan may still not sign a new deal, may still move on. Firstly, I would think therefore we'd be linked to more than one new midfielder uh, and one type of new midfielder, number one, number two. It strikes me as you know that you'd have thought that this situation would have been resolved by now, one way or the other, especially given Chan's performances towards the end of the campaign.
3: Yeah, um, I still. Don't
1: think in the slightest
3: that he'll be leaving, um, but it does make you think, well, what's the reason that it hasn't happened yet? Um, and it might just be because they've had a busy end of season and he's got, he's, I assume he's on holiday at this point and then he's, he's going away with Germany, isn't he? So maybe they're just thinking, oh, well, we'll sort it when everyone's got free time and it's much easier. Or it might be that he's holding out for a bit more money off them than what they're willing to give him. It might be the agents doing a bit of talk around other European clubs. It might also be planning for. In four to five years' time, you might be talking to these clubs now, in, in in a sense, to to see what their interest would be once he's done another contract at Liverpool or he's done another three years at Liverpool. Um, I think the the change in him is is massive because we we watched him at Sunderland away, and I would quite happily have never seen him ever again um, yes. because it was one of the worst individual performances I've ever seen from a Liverpool player. Um, he he killed us dead. Um, just just the pace, the speed of thought was completely gone. Um, But then he played himself back into fitness, he played himself back into form, he started playing different positions, he played some bigger games which he had much more of an influence on Um, and the confidence just began to flow through him again and it it just looked like he believed in himself and the players around him thought, oh hang on, he is actually good and trusted him a little bit more and he worked more cohesively as a unit and I think it's probably the quickest quickest I've changed my mind about a player recently um, to go from I, I really wouldn't have cared if, he, if he'd have left this someone. In fact, I would have probably been quite happy with it too. I would really like them to get this contract sorted as quickly as possible. Um, I can understand now why why someone of the Ilki Ventus would be interested in him, I think. He's, he's obviously shown that he's, he's, he's capable of playing for a, a top-level football team in top-level competitions and, and having a, an influence on big games. But also, I don't think there are that many other footballers like him which might have its positives and its negatives, um, in that he's so sort of rough and ready and, and, and plays so in the moment on off instinct that maybe that wouldn't work for... Well, it wouldn't work for Barcelona, where you've got to stand there, play a few passes, try and pick a gap and stuff like that. But as a different option for a top-level football team, I can completely get on board with the fact that they'll be all over him. Um, so I think it is important that Liverpool get it done as quickly as possible. I absolutely think they will, um, because from from all of what I've heard him say, he seems to like it here, um, and Klopp seems to have a really good relationship. He's becoming a more and more important player, and he's doing well for Germany at the same time. So I, I think and hope that it'll just get boxed off soon enough, and that explains why they only want the one centre midfielder. Yeah, I think the, the thing with Chan's contract is that the negotiations have gone through so
2: much, like so many different situations. There was the time when Chan was struggling and, and and not getting in the team, and then now he finds himself now, and you know the agent agent now holds a strong footing at the table. You know Chan cemented himself as one of Liverpool's you know best players towards the end of the season. He he was integral, and then you look at other people getting contracts. You see Liverpool giving a hundred grand a week today at Dejan Lovren. Who may not necessarily be a starter next season. I think from from what you gather, contract negotiations are a really fragile uh, situations, and and a lot of things, you know, happen which you know affect them. Which is, I guess, the case in in any business. Um, and they're very complicated, and they don't get you know necessarily done overnight um, because there's so many permutations. So I do I, th- I think yeah Liverpool won't won't want to let him go, and, and they will get a deal over the line. I just think his agents in a stronger position, so they're probably going to be asking for more money than what they were ri- originally asking for. Liverpool may not be willing to pay that, but you know Liverpool going to have to reflect his
0: uh, importance in one way or another. It's a big contract for Chan. Is he 23 now? I think something yeah. like that. It's, it, it's the big money earner of his career, potentially. And as you both said, he's an, he, he's an enigma and the goalposts are moving constantly on, on his actual value. So you can see, you can, as Glenn said, you can exactly see why it's taking this long. And I can, although you think it's logical to resume, I can see it getting messy before it gets resolved because I can see there being big gaps because I think he's he's looking at himself I'm "I'm gonna put you direct here I'm gonna go on the the Germany team Juve want me you know I'm I'm looking at the way the market for value players are going I I could be 140 150 grand footballer me and Liverpool going fuck's sake you would have been grateful for 50 grand back in November let's be right here we signed you on probably 25 grand it's probably his first contract so it's it's a there's going to be some big gaps and yeah, I think the I think you'll hear more, we'll hear more and more links to other clubs, some genuine, some some fictional, because the agent's job is to to create that that demand. But I, I'm going to just make a punt on it. I just think it's going to get messy and get resolved really quite late in the window.
2: Uh, another complicated aspect is that you know we'd probably consider his best position to be defensive midfielder, and Liverpool's current captain plays central midfield and would be first choice. So maybe mm. you know players are you know assessing you know, what what's in for them in the future and maybe Chan doesn't see, you know, a regular, you know, starting eleven place for him. It's an,
1: it's an interesting one for Chan. I'll come over to you, Dan. It's an interesting one for Chan and the contact what Glenn said there around not just Henderson but also Liverpool are linked Seriously linked to Naby Keita, and then the next line, the next thing on that is, and the manager might be playing Coutinho deeper. Mm. You can, Rob said to me before, he said you can quite easily imagine a situation next season where the first game Liverpool play can Kaita if they've signed. I mean, Coutinho starting in a midfield three, mm. and that would mean last season's first choice midfield of Henderson, Alderman and Lalana are all not not selected in that yep. side, or wouldn't be. And that side. you know, it's it's quite easy if you are M Ray Chan to be able to go line hang on. There's every chance that there's six of us here battling away, uh, and I feel as though if Henderson wants to play there that's boxed and you seem to love Lallana Gaffer and <laughs> you all rate right, Philip Coutinho uh, it, it does become a little bit back to sort of the idea of, of sweet-talking players or players wanting to believe that they're very much wanted at this at this level of football because they can all go and find another elite club to play for not just Liverpool aren't the only ones
3: I see that point but if he goes and plays for one of those other elite football clubs it's not like they're all short on centre-mids <laughs> if he if, if were to go to Juventus Juventus yeah. played the Champions League final on Saturday in the other midfield of what Pjanic you <laughs> Marquisio, Cadira. So Marquisio was on the bench. And I can't believe it. I was like well, who's the third on the one bench? then? Who's the third one at the end now. Well, it's someone. So, was on the bench. Does he even get on the bench for that game? Does he start it? You don't know what. It, it, it might be a case of, oh, well, you play the, the Serie A game away to Palermo on, on the Wednesday, but then you're not playing the Champions League final because we've got all these lads that we've had for years. Um, it's hard for him to go to a club either equivalent or better than Liverpool and know that he's going to be starting games. If you want to go back to Germany, if Bayern are looking for a centre mid because they've got because Alonso's retired, he's still got to get past what Tiago. They've got Ronaldo, Sanchez. They can't get a game. Um, it, it, there's not another team where he could definitely get more money. That's definitely a step up from Liverpool where he'd definitely be playing. So it, whatever his move is, it's a risk. It would be it, it's sort of a risk to stay at Liverpool because he's not guaranteed 90 minutes every single week, especially if his form dips again or if he gets injured. But if he goes to one of them other teams. He can quite easily end up just as, not on the scrap heap, but just as the lad that comes off the bench. The lad that brings a bit of energy to it and stuff like that, which isn't what he's going to be looking for, as Rob said, his big contract at the age of 23 to take him through to the age of 28,
0: 29. If I I was Chan, the the trouble is there's a huge window of of possibility of what happens next in his career between him sort of becoming this messy midfielder who's in and out of big team squads that we've he's hinted at being but to all being this important midfielder who goes on to become a mainstay in the German team you almost think that he he signs his next big contract here, gets his money, and then perhaps, if he do, doesn't go into the, in the stellar direction, he doesn't nail down a place the way he wants, where his ambitions are best suited is in a top German side just below the level of Munich. I'm talking about Dortmund, now a, a Leipzig, a Schalke, where he absolutely is nailed on in that midfield, becomes the best midfield player in Germany that stays in Germany and becomes and stays in that, the national team. Do you not think that's a big step down though? Because he's already yeah, made that is, jump, hasn't
3: this- he? He's already played for Leverkusen. Done the step to Liverpool. If he goes back to a Leverkusen or a Schalke or whatever, is that not sort of that's him admitting him, him admitting
1: defeat in a sense?
0: Oh no, no I'm saying that's in two years' time fallback. If if he doesn't nail a position now with one mm. of these top sides,
1: um, it's our building the squad, isn't
0: it? Yeah, i like about it. Other than it looks. Me, well, just in general, it's. um the project man maybe we should do some shows about this twice a week throughout the summer maybe we should
1: (laughs) Uh, yes all the stuff that you need theonfieldrap.com two shows of transfers uh, going twice a week right the way through the summer uh, hosted by Rob looking forward to doing one of them myself later on today Uh, loads and loads of stuff about all of that as it breaks as well we'll be uh, grabbing people like Glenn Price from holiday if need be over the phone to talk about uh, for instance if Liverpool confirm the sign of of seller everything that you need really theonfieldrap.com both in terms of the writing uh, in terms of these shows uh, the free Shows and also in terms of the subscription shows. Thank you very much, Rob Gutman, Dan Austin, and Glenn Price. This has been the Anfield Rap. We're in for a long, fascinating summer as to what Jurgen Klopp's going to do. I'm going to have to fill out my formation thing more and more as it wears on. It's the thing I have at every, every show now, Rob. I have my thing with my players circled and missing ones and everything. That's, That's what good. I need. Everyone's craning the neck to see who's there. Uh, being a pleasure as ever. That's the Anfield Rap.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.